Assalamu alaikum everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Mindful Muslim podcast where I spoke to Madia Ranas. I hope you find this a beneficial conversation, inshallah. Assalamualaikum. Hello. Alaikum assalam. I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jazakallah khair for this opportunity. It's honestly, a once in a lifetime opportunity, I'd say, <laughs> to be on a podcast with Inspirited Minds. So, Jazakallah khair. Thank you again. So, I guess we should just go straight into it. Sure. Um, I'd love you to tell me and our viewers and listeners a little bit about your history, I suppose. Maybe start with your childhood um, and, and feel free to share whatever you'd like to. Sure, inshallah. So first of all, my name is Madia. I'm sure you mentioned, but just in case people didn't pick that up. Um, I'm a mama of two. Uh, so I have two toddlers and um, I'm also an author of a book called Be You Be Beautiful that I published for uh, teenage Muslimas. When I was a teenager myself, actually. So um, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was quite a bit long ago. Uh, and um, I'm also, I've studied a, um, a bachelor's in Islamic psychology with the Islamic International Open University, but it's called International University now. And I'm also currently doing a bachelor's in psychology and mental health. Um, so that's just a little bit about me, um, present me. Um, in terms of um, mental health and, you know, why we're here today, basically, um, I feel like um, my story kind of has two parts. So it depends where you want me to start from. Is it the, the awareness of like when I first became aware of mental health or is it the pre-awareness of mental health and the struggles that I faced then um so yeah we can I guess we can start from any part of the story mm, let's go pre-awareness pre-awareness okay so um so basically I am uh, I consider myself a survivor of childhood trauma um I went through kind of a significant prolonged trauma in my childhood starting from the age of four to the age of about 10 uh, 10 years old and um at that time of course when I was going through the trauma um and this was you know quite a while ago now, uh, early 2000s, let's say. Um, there wasn't much on mental health, on, um, there was, actually, it was a term you never actually heard of, mental health, counseling, therapist. Um, you know, if someone had a mental health illness, it would never be considered that. It, they'd probably just be like, that person's strange, that person's, you know, there's something wrong with them, or, you know, it would see it in a very negative light. So I kind of didn't know um, that as a result of that childhood trauma that I was going to struggle with a few things that were mental health related but I would never know and um, so that that was probably the pre-awareness stage where um, the childhood trauma affected me uh, in several ways you know I was I was a practicing Muslimah even throughout my teenage years and yet um, I wasn't you know I couldn't escape from depression and anxiety and OCD and there was just not many things to help me, resources, awareness. And again, I didn't even know that I was going, what I was going through was mm -hmm. a mental health illness. And um, subhanAllah, it just, it, a lot of the healing and a lot of my, uh, to summarize my, that, that stage of my life, a lot of the healing um, came from spirituality, came from Islam, came from the Quran, came from faith and just my connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I guess that's why I wanted to be here today was to just share that perspective on mental health and mental well-being and how uh, for me it was my faith and it was spirituality that kind of helped me overcome a lot of those struggles um 
I really want to hear a little bit more about the effects that you mentioned. You just touched yeah. on how your childhood trauma affected you later in life. Mm. Um, and, you, and also that you, that you didn't realize that you had depression, uh, mm. that you were going through that. Um, what were some of the other things that you experienced that were, you know, encompassed in that depression in that kind of, and when did they kind of start for you? Start. So I guess um, for anybody who's gone through a, a childhood trauma, whatever kind of form it is, um, you know, they generally become a more skeptical and distrusting of the world. So mm. I guess it started off with just not being able to trust people, which led to me not making friends as much. Uh, obviously in primary school, I just kind of just kept myself to myself, um, just didn't make friends. And I guess um, that obviously increased the loneliness, increased the feeling of being strange and, uh, you know, not being um, recognized, you know, for who I am. Um, I also, uh, obviously that then transpired as I grew older to you know, bouts of depression where I would spend a lot of time just alone. So I'd feel a lot of loneliness and I would just spend days and, um, you know, a lot of nights just crying and being um, just very low in mood. And of course, because I was a child and then, you know, I became a teenager, all of these, um, my parents didn't think of this as like, oh, she's, you know, she's, there's something wrong with her. They just thought, okay, this is just the way, you know, every child is so different and I've got three mm -hmm. siblings. So we were all so different. And I guess they just thought, okay, she's an introvert. She's quiet. She likes spending time by herself, reading books. And I have a very supportive and loving family and they have always been. So um, I guess my kind of comfort was within the home and with them. And I was able to be a bit myself, but outside of that, uh, outside of the home and with friends and with other people, I just had a lot of uh, anxiety and mistrust. Um, and I just never, I kind of viewed the world in a very gray, with a gray lens. I never was able to appreciate or find joy in moments like other people did. People were happy on occasions, on Eid, on, um, you know, um, in school when there was like some, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, pantomime that they used to organize. Everyone was so excited. I was so happy and I would just be there with, you know, struggling to feel happiness, struggling to feel joy. So I guess uh, that's how it started. Then it led to lots of uh, anxiety where I just constantly felt like something would go wrong. And I think that's what tra trauma does. Even if you've experienced in childhood or adulthood, you just kind of begin to feel a lot of fear and a sense of danger. Um, and I didn't know at that time that that's, this was PTSD, but obviously now with the awareness and with the counseling and therapist, um, I realized that those are actually symptoms of PTSD, constantly walking on eggshells, feeling in danger. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of just transpired all through my teenage, teenage years. And again, it was only like, those moments that I had with the Quran and, you know, those moments that I was like, just really um, invested in growing myself as uh, in spiritual, spiritually, whether that was in halaqas, uh, whether that was um, immersing myself in writing or serving the community. Those were the things that kind of distracted me from those, those feelings, but they were still there. They were always there, um, but they helped definitely. So before you actually sought counseling, um, yeah were you looking for avenues to kind of help yourself let's say yeah so you, is that when you yeah. started looking a little bit deeper into islam so my my when i started actually looking deep into uh, islam it was when i was around 10 11 so that was when my mom started wearing the hijab and abaya one day she said to me you know um you know i started wearing the hijab and do you want to wear it with me and um i was like yeah yeah this sounds you know really interesting i do it with my mom and uh, we kind of just wore it together and then she started taking me to uh, halaqas and i remember being 
only 10 or 11 so a lot of the classes were like advanced mm-hmm. you know fifth lessons and all this and I I remember the teacher saying you know you know, maybe to my mom you know, maybe you can put her in the crash downstairs and I'd be like no mom I want to sit I want to sit with you and you know, I want to listen to this and I guess that's where it came from just um sitting in those gatherings I kind of found um myself a bit more find what I was interested in found that I loved learning that I loved um you know being in the company of other you know sisters even though they were a lot older it was just that feeling I, I kind of became my safe space I guess and I think that's when I started realizing that you know there's so many people here that have that accept me that love me despite me feeling like I'm just a strange person that you know I'm struggling with these things deep inside anxiety and these feelings of depression um and yet there's so many people here that I, you know, love me and understand, and they, I feel a sense of belonging, and I don't have to tell them, you know, that I'm struggling with A, B, and C. Who, whatever I am, whoever I am, they love me as me, you know, and I think that really helped uh, as well, just having that kind of support. Um, and then, obviously, as I as I grow, grow older, I went to high school, um, and I met some really incredible teachers, um, and then obviously in in college as well. And that's when I think I began to read more about mental health because I had a more module um uh, health I was doing health and social care in A-level years and I had modules that were discussing like mental illnesses and psychology and I was just amazed that you know there's so much that uh impact that can happen on the mind and how that can affect the body how that can affect um you know everything basically your entire personality um and that kind of side aside I started piecing the puzzles together that actually you know what maybe whatever I went through in childhood that I kind of just brushed away that I just kind of I literally just pushed it away and just pretended it never happened um but in reality all the consequences of that trauma were still playing about and I just thought this was me but then I started to break it down realize no actually no this is PTSD this is symptoms of depression this is anxiety and this is crippling anxiety um and that's when I started to think okay now I need to seek help um and what inspired mine was one of the places I actually came to get that help and that counseling so um yeah alhamdulillah that's how that's what led me to becoming more aware amazing thank you so much for sharing all of that kind of journey of how you went you know from not knowing what was going on to I guess um part of your studies and educating yourself you you know alhamdulillah came across something that really kind of um helped you understand what was going on inside you by 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 studying um health and social care it's amazing Um, so that's then what led you to counseling and what were some of the things that came up in counseling for you? Did it just kind of reaffirm what you already thought about, you know, experiencing such and such? So I think the biggest thing was accepting what had happened to me. Cause like I said, whatever I had, the trauma that I'd gone through, I didn't really accept it. It was just like, I think a lot of maybe childhood uh, people that have gone through childhood trauma will do this or they'll just like blank it out and detach themselves or disassociate themselves to survive and um, just to keep moving through life Uh, otherwise you know as a child it's just so much of a burden to carry that on your shoulders Um, and you know I, I obviously didn't share what I went through with anybody because I was a child I didn't know what I went through was wrong I didn't know what I was in through was traumatic um but you know, later on, again, with the awareness, with the education, um, I started to realize, actually, no, that was completely wrong. That was traumatic. And I should accept that. So I, th- I think the first thing um, that the first way the counseling helped me was to accept what I went through. And just that realization of accepting that you've gone through a lot in life is already in life is such a um, I think the first step of healing, accepting and accepting in such a way where you're not blaming yourself um, for what you went through, where you're not, you know, going down hard on yourself, where you're not, okay, but 
because of this, I became like this, or because of this, I wasn't able to make friends, or because of this, I did really bad in my GCSEs, because of this, I was ill all the time. Instead, accepting that each part of, you know, whatever you went through, the consequences of that trauma, was actually subhanallah it was you surviving it was you kind of battling your way through life and accepting the story and then also starting from the beginning so my counselor made me go back to when um the beginnings when i was four and she made me retell the story and the details and just kind of going through that and it was such a um it was a difficult thing to do because you're going back and you're you know you're finding there's so many memories that you've just buried and they're coming back and you know you're you're, you're telling yourself as well you're reminding yourself about them and it's obviously uh, quite triggering but at the same time that's where the healing comes and I think uh, that's why I, I really advise anybody who's kind of struggling to come to terms with anything they've gone through in life or going through in life is to first accept it with self-compassion Secondly, to kind of work with a therapist and counselor to go through that journey, to go through what you went through, process it basically. And, you know, people think that, okay, maybe if I didn't process it, then it's too late now. But I've actually found that now that I've processed, even though it happened, uh, what, 12, 13, 14 years ago, it's still so beneficial and so healing. And that healing can, will come and can come no matter what stage and what age you are in life. So and uh, the third thing the counselor did was definitely give me tools to help manage my anxiety, things that still linger on now that I've maybe been able to process, manage better. But that's still, obviously, there's, there's so many situations that you can find yourself in life that can trigger a response or can trigger a flashback, trigger a memory. So just basically managing those situations. Amazing. What were what were some of those techniques um, that kind of come to your mind that you use maybe even now? Because I know you mentioned that you're also a mother and, and you're just yeah. busy um, <laughs> and your children are under three, right? Yeah, yeah. Three and two. So, <laughs> busy. Yeah, so tell me more about those kind of techniques that you use now. Okay, so um, I think the one that I found most beneficial is um, uh, affirmations, because I think everybody kind of... Uh, whoever's gone through a traumatic experience or whoever's struggling with a mental health issue will have something that's kind of uh, uh, more crippling than other things. There's something that, that really makes things difficult for them. Like there's, for me, it was uh, constantly blaming myself. So when I feel a certain emotion, I feel like I'm having a bad mental health day, it's just constantly, why am I like this? Or why do I do this? And the affirmations, she told me to basically stand in front of the mirror and affirm that, no, I am strong. I am feeling like this, but I'm able to manage this. I'm going to get through this. Um, um, and a lot of the time for me, it's the anxiety. So, you know, when I, when I worry about the future or I worry about my kids or I worry about this, I worry about that. And it's just, it's, it's another level. It's not healthy worry. Um, just standing in front of the mirror and affirming that it's okay. You're just going through a hard time. It's okay. These are just thoughts, process them. And just affirming, basically making affirmations. So that was one kind of way. Um, the second is to have a space that I can go to because I know like moms know who's well, if moms, there are moms watching this, um, life was just hectic, you know, with two little ones. And I've been a stay at home mom now for three years. Um, so it, it was full on. And I remember kind of having moments where I just didn't feel um, mentally okay, as in like I was having a bad mental, mental health day, I was feeling anxiety, I was like, how am I going to get through the day? And just taking some space at the start of the day, taking some space in the middle of the day, even if that's been going to my room for five minutes, putting, you know, uh, something, uh, setting a table tip for them for five minutes, putting something on for them to watch, and just taking five minutes away, it doesn't have to be in a different space completely, but just stepping out of that, that busy kind of routine. Um, just really helped. So having a space I can go to, to just, you know, breathe, to play some Quran, to just maybe read some Quran, um, maybe just to write something down quickly and then come back. And that really helped me kind of just keep going on. Um, and one of the things I realized is that 
um, some people think that, you know, by going to counseling or attending counseling, the anxiety and depression or whatever they're going through will just disappear. But actually, the, the main reason why you go is kind of is for self-discovery and awareness. So what triggers you? Um, what is it that kind of, uh, you know, um, sends you in the downward spiral? What is it about your day that, you know, in where, where in your day do you find that you're most stressed? So I know in my day, it's like the peak afternoon, the kids are so hyper, they're energetic. What can I do to manage that better? I can take them out. You know, me getting fresh air, going for a walk will help. Them going out will also be super helpful. They love outdoors. Um, you know, uh, giving them some something to do, uh, five minutes to do while you, you know, you sit and read for five minutes and if they come to you telling them you know mama's just having five minutes okay mama's feeling really uh, tired right now she just needs five minutes of a break you know being open and communicating with them rather than just letting it simmer simmer simmer, simmer and it comes out in frustration or it comes out in anger so I think that's one of the most valuable things that I've got from my counselor is to to have safe spaces and have moments that take time uh, in my day to just process basically um, the day that's you know gone by and things that I may be worried about the rest of the day um and you know finding little things i can do to just lift myself up amazing thank you so much for sharing all of that um lots of learning on my part um, <laughs> i would love to hear a little bit more about your spiritual journey as well so you mentioned it kind of um started uh when you're only about 11 with your mom um you know how did it develop from there and uh yeah i guess a little bit more about your journey into counselling as well, were you kind of thinking, I need to find a counsellor of the same faith as me? Was that something that you considered? Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, from the, when, uh, when I started obviously practicing and uh, or kind of learning my dean let's say started learning my dean and going attending with my mom uh, that was just like the beginning of kind of finding like I said a safe, a safe space and sisters I finally could trust and people that you know, I felt like loved me, and it was like my second family. Um, and then from there, it kind of became a very personal thing where I started one one day. I remember we went to I went to a conference. I used to do a lot of voluntary work at that age as well. And I guess these things really helped me as well, just be, being in service to my community. Because otherwise, I would just be at home and just be you know wallowing in the the feelings of depression, anxiety. Um, and so I would you know try and volunteer, try to kind of really busy myself. So I, and those were incredible years of volunteering giving back and they really give me uh, is new skills and tools to, to just manage um, you know teams and to, to just basically um, serve and help others so it became a very personal thing because I remember we were um, in a conference one day I went with my team and we was you know we had a two-day conference where we'd set up a sort doll and try and sell magazines they were, for, they were for children Islamic magazines and it was going to be Ramadan I think three days after um, and we were just waiting for like the moon to be sighted and any news so we could just go back home and be on time for Ramadan and at the end of this third day as an introvert I kind of just felt so kind of exhausted and I just needed some space and just so much noise and so many people and so much talking and it just kind of really made me feel um, uh, just exhausted mentally and physically. So I remember sitting outside and I was just looking up at the sky and I just made a dua and said, oh Allah, I'm feeling really exhausted and mentally exhausted. And I, um, I, I, just, I, just, I just need something to bring my heart back alive. And the feeling I was feeling was emptiness, just really empty. And those were feelings that were very familiar to me, this just periods of emptiness and feeling numb, followed by periods of just 
extreme like feeling extremely emotional so at that point i was just like i just need something to kind of revive my heart i must have been like 14 not not very like a lot older but just 14 um and i remember going home the next day and it was ramadan and i just set myself a goal i was like i'm going to read the quran this ramadan with the english translation and i had gotten the english translation off uh, from a local islamic center so i picked it up and i set a routine that every day i would read some quran and some english with it and that was the first time i ever read the quran with the english so i read the arabic and i, I learned it in madrasa growing up but i never understood what the quran meant and for the first time that ramadan that i felt like i was being spoken to i was being giving so much comfort and like i said i kind of pushed my trauma away so it would barely kind of come up in my life like it would barely uh, like i would barely think about the trauma but i feel like at that time while i was reciting the quran i was i was feeling like all the things i'd buried under all the feelings i'd gone through all the things i'd gone through child i was kind of they were being pushed to the surface, but I was also finding so much healing and comfort through the ayahs and reassurance through the ayahs of the Quran. And that was the first time I decided that I want to really look into the Quran, the meanings of the Quran, because I felt like Allah was speaking to me and Allah was talking to me, Allah was comforting me. And there were certain particular ayahs that really kind of resonated with me. So like when Allah says, um, uh, that, oh, um, you know, my, my slave who has transgressed the limits, do not, um, do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah and I guess for me that was an eye that resonated for me because I constantly blamed myself for so much for the way I was for you know the fact that I wasn't like doing well like other in, in school like other kids were that I just wanted to spend all my time in in the Islamic center that I wasn't just normal like the normal kids you know with their hobbies and their it wasn't easy going I wasn't just full of spirit full of life I was just just different and so those that ayah where you know Allah says you know don't you know he comforts and he he kind of reassures you and he gives you hope just really kind of give me hope that you know what no actually um I'm going to get through this whatever it is I'm going to get through this and my personality will come out and my time to shine will come so I think it started from there and then um that that journey just increased and um the counseling part it came after actually I gave birth so when I give birth to my first child um obviously I was looking into counseling up until then I, I kind of knew the importance of getting a therapist and I was doing my research but I never found someone that I could properly uh, feel like they, they understood an important part of me which was my religion so I had experimented with a few non-Muslim counselors and they were great and they were really well did really well at what they you know what they do there were some that took you know took me uh, through my story again there were some that were helping me more practically so cognitive behavior therapy where you know you write down things and you kind of work through your behaviors and your thoughts and then I finally found the Muslim counselor from Inspirited Minds who I felt like she understood the the importance of religion and spirituality in my in terms of my healing as well but also just generally in my life but also was able to give me um insight into you know um, ment mental health uh, techniques to you know our mental to uh, basically help our mental well-being and um the, the two combined really helped i guess i didn't feel like i had to put my religion aside or my spirituality aside but I could, it could be a part of it and like I said because I was I was someone who felt a lot of shame and blame on myself um kind of com combining that being able to say tell my counselor that when I feel that way I also feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um you know doesn't like me or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um you know is you know is maybe he's unhappy with me so just being able to connect everything was was important for me I guess amazing um, is there anything else about your journey that we haven't spoken about yet that you think is, is kind of a really important aspect to mention to, to I guess, any, any people listening or, or viewing us now? 
um, you know, if they're going through something similar at all. Yeah, so one thing I haven't mentioned yet that I went through that really kind of stifled me during my teenage years was, yes, was uh, obsessive compulsive uh, obsessive compulsive disorder again I didn't know at that time that I was going through this but when obviously I've spoken to gone through my counselor now um, I used to get a lot of uh, negative thoughts and negative images just generally in my mind throughout my teenage years it just started randomly um, I was in high school and then it suddenly turned into this obs obsessive like they were impulsive thoughts basically and it suddenly became this thing where if I was about to do anything or going to do anything um i would get an impulsive kind of thought and i would have to repeat doing that thing like that action or that task um so that's how it how it looked like and on the outside you wouldn't tell that i was struggling so much but on the inside it was such a struggle just simple things like switching the light on and off i would do it about five six times because if a negative thought came to mind negative feeling came I don't know where I kind of learned this. It's just something my, I guess my mind and my body was reacting to because of the trauma that, you know, this negativity, the negative feelings and this, this kind of uh, compulsiveness um, and anxiety that if I don't do this a particular number of times, or if I don't do this in this way, something bad's going to happen. Um, and again, I was like in my early teens. So I was, it was all very kind of, I was all going through, um, you know, I was just starting a new high school and very new high school. Um, and I was still quite young. So I didn't know anything else except that, you know, my, my mind is playing funny games with me. And so that kind of continued and it became so hard that, you know, like I said, simple things, changing, getting dressed, eating, I'd have to do it several times, repeat it several times. And it started affecting my ibadah, my salah, I would repeat my salah often, I would do wudu for ages. And I remember sometimes, you know, coming out the bathroom after making wudu for the sixth time, and just like really crying, like saying to my mom, like, I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I like I have to do wudu so much. And then I started obviously looking into it, maybe this, you know, some Islam says something about this. And I came across waswas and how sometimes you can get whispers and he, uh, of shaitan and he can you know uh, whisper to you to keep doing something um, but that wasn't enough for me because I knew that I knew that waswas exists I was reading all my athkar I was you know doing everything I could like it's written from this islamically to kind of protect myself and to you know I'll do rukia on myself every night but it wasn't going away so then I thought okay maybe this is something else you know maybe this is not waswas this is something else but still I didn't take any steps because there was nowhere for me to go again I didn't know what mental health was I didn't know what OCD was I didn't know who who to access so I would just continue reading in terms of uh, the spiritual uh, books I started reading psychology articles that's like my first kind of point to go to I think it was psychology today uh, something like that um, and then I came across a book that was um, an Akida book by Dr. Bilal Phillips. And he mentioned that um, in the book that in the time of the Prophet the ignorant people, the Jahiliya people, they would they would believe in superstition such that when they saw a bird flying to the left instead of the right, they would think, oh, that's bad luck. And they would, um, they, if they were setting off for a journey, they would stop setting off for a journey. If they were doing something in that moment, they would stop doing it and just start informing everybody that bad news is coming. And I read that and I just thought this sounds exactly like something that I feel like my mind is doing as well, where it perceives something to be negative and I kind of act upon that negative thought. And I think, okay, if I act upon that thought, then this won't happen or I'll be prevented from something bad happening. Um, and it was just that realization, I guess, that this is what my, the link is between my thoughts and my behavior and how I can actually cut it off. I can feel the thought, have the thoughts, have the feelings, but try not to act upon it. So I would do my absolute best to try and think positive things, to try and uh, keep beautiful um, 
uh, in, you know, memories in my mind. I would start to think of the gardens of Jannah. If I got, uh, you know, a negative thought, I would think, about, okay, what will Jannah be like? I would just try and distract my mind from the negativity and try and think of positive things and also try so hard not to act on those impulses of, you know, the anxiety that I was feeling. And subhanAllah, it kind of, it took many months, um, maybe possibly a year, but I finally got out of it. And then many years later, when I was taking counseling, I came across OCD. I was just like, subhanAllah, this actually requires such a, like a, a unique treatment to, to kind of uh, treat OCD. It requires something, uh, you know, DBT, and there's so many other like ways that you have to treat this. But yeah, at that time, again, because there was not much awareness and there was not much resources, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped me get out of that simply by, you know, simply by kind of showing me or, you know, reminding me of that this is actually my thoughts and I don't have to act upon this and the connection between the mind and thoughts. So that's, I guess, my kind of personal journey of CBT by myself, not knowing, realizing it was CBT. So I guess one thing I definitely remind people of is if they're struggling with something like this, worse, worse, um, try and seek treatment. Um, you know, from a therapist as well, because it could be something more. It could be not something to do with, you know, um, waswas itself. It could be waswas and, um, you know, OCD. It could be a mix of things. And it's important to always keep all the avenues open. Yeah, I, I think it's very easy for, I don't know if it's um, just something ingrained in us as humans. I don't know, but it's very easy to be hard on ourselves. And yeah. especially if you are somebody that follows a particular faith um you feel like because you are doing this thing whatever it might be or feeling such a way that you know it's a reflection of your faith mm. but actually as you say it it might have absolutely nothing with your nothing. faith and your connection with allah i think that's is all of it combined helped me a lot um because at first like i said it was just spirituality that was helping me and i guess it was it was what I needed then it helped me survive and get through those teenage years but after that and after having children and going through postnatal depression I realized I need more than that like you know we were so easy so quick to just be like no um all you need to do is read Quran all you need to do is pray salah but actually no you need you do need a whole set of things a holistic kind of healing package um that involves so now alhamdulillah like i feel i've come to a point where i'm able to combine that i'm able i you know i take i go to the gym now and i'm able to um you know um, i'm studying something i'm really passionate about mental health and psychology not a surprise there um and i want to help others and at the same time you know i'm i'm also kind of uh, working on my iman every day trying to um you know learn more about my um, the quran and reflect on the quran and having that kind of personal connection with it um but also at the same time, I'm seeing a counselor and sometimes more often in some time in periods and sometimes less in other periods, depending on the period, depending on what I'm going through or what the circumstances are. And I guess with COVID, for example, um, you know, a lot of people probably struggling uh, with mental illnesses more so or maybe they're more triggered or maybe just feeling generally mentally exhausted. And so this is probably a good time as well to to kind of see a therapist. Absolutely. I think it's so, so important to um, what you mentioned before about um, not just combining all of those things to try and help yourself, but also in the way that you're doing it, being really compassionate with yourself. Yeah. Um, and just accepting that you need help. Yes. Uh, if, from different avenues. And actually, ultimately, that's what will be your healing and, and, and yes. make you a, whole, a more whole person that is you know, just comfortable with themselves yes. and allows themselves to do these things to make themselves 
feel better I guess it yes. is a little bit about loving yourself enough yeah self-love that stuff yeah I think yeah, yeah definitely loving yourself and I think if you've gone through a childhood traumas particularly when, when you're a child this is one of the things that fascinated me when I started doing Islamic psychology and I had a module on child psychology is in those early years your brain is still developing um, you know it develops the most and rapidly and at that point if someone comes along and kind of uh, disrupts that process that a child is going through and in, in our in our obviously in our context you know so, so a trauma there's you know a child goes through a specific trauma it really disrupts their physical development their cognitive development and the way they're shaped as a as a child and then an adult is so different from someone for example who hadn't gone through a trauma and who you know maybe didn't have similar or you know experiences and so just recognizing that realize that you know there's some things that my mind has learned in terms of worldview in terms of trust and that that I can't like I can't undo because it happened as a child but that doesn't mean if I can't undo them that I'm completely like that's it I'm written off I can't change and I can't become I can manage those things and in fact it's made me for example my sensitivity is something that I really hated growing up that why am I so sensitive why do I cry over everything why am I like constantly hypervigilant why am I like this but actually my sensitivity is something that I really appreciate now is because it's helped me in terms of my own kids you know I'm really um, able to, to to communicate with them and hear their needs and um, you know I'm able to serve my community with that that extra understanding because I've gone through something similar in life or you know maybe not similar but I'm able to you know put myself in their shoes um whereas I hated it growing up I I hated to be the one that just cries over everything happiness sadness everything but now it's something that you know it's it's something that I I appreciate in, in myself and others and I think it's so hard to get to this point where I can say I appreciate this trait about myself Oh, I, I really like because it takes a long journey it takes a long time to get that place where you, you can love yourself and accept yourself and not let what you went through define you and kind of separate it like the, I, now I just see it as this is part of my story this is part of just my story there's many chapters to a book you know we don't just get you know fixed to one chapter and be like this defines the whole book you know it, there's so many chapters and each chapter is, will have its highs and its lows and life is just imperfect and if someone was to ask me would I kind of not have gone through a childhood trauma if I had choice like if someone said to me now would you if you had a choice I was like actually no I would actually go through it because what has made me as a person I don't think if I hadn't gone through that I don't think I'd have the same passion I do in terms of raising my children for example with the therapia with the, the the way I do I want to nurture them with um, you know the dedication and the passion I wouldn't you know want to be sitting here right now you know delivering a podcast on mental health I wouldn't uh, you know have written articles I wouldn't have um, you know delivered these workshops and spent you know into my you know all night just preparing these workshops and powerpoint slides and I wouldn't just be the person I am so I guess alhamdulillah for what I went through despite it being a struggle alhamdulillah for where I've come that's the most important thing that whatever you're going through whoever's you know listening to this and they're going through something or they have gone through something and they feel like it just staying with them and it haunts them it, it the, the first thing is to accept with self-compassion second thing is to take the step to take the help and the third is to find the tribe, to find that support system that's going to carry through the, that healing process as well. You know, it could be a small community of people online. It could be a small community of people that, you know, friends, um, people that you've, uh, that, that kind of understand you. But it could be your family and your friends. So, you know, whatever, whoever it is, find that support system. Because one of the things that we really don't want is for that trauma that you've been through to, to kind of be passed on 
no one's saying that you know you actively want to pass it on but it can be and there's a, such a thing as intergenerational trauma where if you've gone through something and you know it can be uh, the, the certain things that can be passed on to to the children so we need to break that cycle and it's up to us and it's our responsibility to do so um and alhamdulillah there's so much more resources and you know uh books and podcasts and videos on uh, psychology and mental health that you know this is the time this is the time to kind of bring it up and educate our people and educate ourselves and get that help amazing um you mentioned intergener intergenerational trauma yep. when was the first time that you kind of heard about that and started thinking about that is it is it, is it a part of kind of your story and your experience personally so um i think the first time i started thinking about that was actually uh uh, before I started taking counseling. So when I was about 16, 17, I always, I've always had a passion to teaching children and um, helping children, I guess, because of my own experiences. And I started teaching a group of kids at home, madrasa, madrasa, which is like um, uh, where you teach Quran and Islamic studies. And I remember just seeing their innocence and remember just, and I just thought to myself that, you know, they're so like their personalities were so vibrant and they were so, mashallah, they had so much potential. And I just, it would just, I would just reflect on myself and how, I had a lot of potential as well growing up, but I kind of never got to uh, fulfill that potential, but it's still there, you know, it's, it's still there and I can still kind of, um, you know, continue, you know, do what I want to do. I can still harness that potential. So I would just, you know, really um, uh, find them inspiring. And it's very really weird to say that about children, but I find this their innocence, their trust, their, their motivation, their, their abilities to learn. And it was at that point that I, that I kind of realized that if I, you know, if I ever go on to have children, uh, which I really wanted to, I wanted to, you know, uh, have children, inshallah, and, you know, be a really good mom to them, then a lot of that, a lot of their terbiya and their kind of education will depend on how I'm educated and how I'm helping myself. So I would reflect a lot on this and I'll read a lot, I re read a lot about this, but I guess the actual practical taking the steps towards that healing didn't come again till counseling. And that's why I saw it's so important. Again, the emphasis on getting the help because they give you the practical kind of tools to manage and to deal with it. So when you do have children, you know, even if your mental uh, illness or whatever you're going through, if you have mental uh, days where your mental health is, you know, not at the absolute best, you've been given practical ways to manage and cope and deal with it so that, you know, your children don't have to be affected, for example. Um, and also to just be really open with your children as well. And mine are still little, but I will tell them if I, you know, mama's feeling a bit tired right now, I'm just going to lie down. I will communicate with them. If I've gotten upset with them and I've told them off, we all moms, you know, do this. I will tell them, I'll say, you know, sorry, mama, you know, mama probably was feeling a bit angry. That's wrong. She shouldn't have, um, you know, told you off or sorry about this or sorry if you felt this way. I'm always trying to kind of validate how they feel. Um, even if they're having a big tantrum and they're just having, getting angry because they couldn't have, I don't know, um, a sweet or something, you know, validating, accepting, making them feeling that sense of, you know, I'm here because I know as a child that that's what I crave the most, accepting, understanding, validation, didn't get it. So, and that's the way I want to break the cycle is that with my kids, I don't make them feel ever blamed or shamed. And, you know, there's a way we communicate with them respectfully. Um, and where you know their self-esteem isn't being like shattered in the process we don't have to do that i don't know it's maybe something in our cultures certain cultures where you know blame shame blame and name the whoever child whoever it is yeah yeah um you mentioned a lot about um reading and i know that you also mentioned before about the book that you wrote so how did yeah. that all come about 
So the book, um, I've always, I've always enjoyed writing. And I guess uh, one of the ways that I kind of um, also one of the things that helped me during my journey that from childhood to adulthood, and even now is just journaling. So I didn't think it was journaling, I would just doodle and I'll just write and I'll just color. And I was very, I always, I was very creative. So I always needed like a creative outlet. Um, so then that writing kind of became more serious, started volunteering for um, certain writing um, website, websites, and I would kind of publish my articles. Um, a lot of them were to do with Quran and spirituality. And then um, it was just my way of kind of consolidating all I was learning and putting it into writing. And then I decided that actually I'm going to start a blog because there's so much I want to say. Um, and that's when I started my blog which was called um, the Musafir or the Traveller um, and uh, and I started writing articles and just reflections and poetry sometimes in my low moments it was more poetry than it was like you know thought out artic articles and I penned them all down and so when I look back at them I'm so grateful I did that because it, I was able, I'm able to look at even the lowest moments and I realized that I found some kind of uh, you know, some uh, understanding and I found some uh, gem, you know, that I collected in that moment and I was able to pen that down. I saw some silver lining and I was able to pen that down. So I think that writing really helped me do that, to just see the silver lining in situations where I'm feeling really low. And then I just, uh, when I went to A-level, when I started doing my A-levels, um, um, I started discovering that actually, you know what, I want to write as a teenager for the teenager. There's so many books out there written by, you know, um, uh, and they're amazing books and uh, people that you know give dawah and people that are older but you know if when I was a teenager I would love to have heard from a teenager who had gone through my struggles and known what the struggles are and how to navigate those struggles and the, the peer pressure and the, the hijab and the identity and the gender relations like how do I how how does a teenager deal with this and you know would she pick up a book written by someone who's been through that experience or just someone who's you know just talking from a you know, not really understanding or putting themselves in the shoes. So that's when I started writing. It was about when I was about 17, 18. And um, yeah, I just wrote every day in my free lessons. I would just sit there tapping away and it just became a manuscript. <laughs> it just like that. And obviously there was so much work that needed to be done. But one of my friends at that specific time was opening a publishing company. And she was like, okay, I need to start with something. I was like, subhanAllah, like, this is amazing. I've got something that maybe you can look at. She's like, okay, we'll look at it. She looked at it. She's like, yes, it needs a lot of editing and all that. But, you know, I'm happy to kind of work on this. And so she worked on it. And she helped me kind of, you know, bring that vision to light. And I got it published probably a year and a half later. So yeah. And the book is basically it's called be you be beautiful all about just accepting who you are you know um all the different struggles that you go through as a teenager teenage muslima living in the west uh specifically and how to navigate them how i navigated them um you know what things you can do to help yourselves how to you know have show more love and compassion to yourself um and i feel like i was writing for myself for my all you know for my myself but um at the same time with them you know with other people other teenagers experiences in mind so that's how the book happened um subhanallah it just all worked out i guess <laughs> fantastic um that's another amazing thing that you can talk to your kids about you know yeah <laughs> it's incredible um i would love to just going back to motherhood i know yeah. that you also went through postnatal depression um yeah. so that this was after your first child yes uh, sorry second child i mentioned first and second child okay. yeah second um what was that like so it was quite unexpected because with my first I kind of like I said I've always been really good with children I loved like um, teaching them and I was really excited about the prospect of you know having 
children and being able to uh, pour all my love into them. And so with the first child, it was pretty much like that. Like, you know, it was just, an, it was exciting and it was new. And um, I, I guess it was also because I was a student and my husband was also a student. So we were very young and we, there was no work responsibilities. So it was just much easier to kind of uh, deal with a, 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 a baby at that time. And then um, I had my second just, uh, I think, 18 months after. So she, she came along and that kind of giving birth to her coincided with the same time my husband started his first job. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm used to having one child and my husband, you know, very flexible schedule to now being alone with two small kids and my husband starting his first nine to five job. So I was spending like morning and evening all day with them until he came home, counting down the minutes. And it was just, I think, being in a new city, like being in a new city, obviously after marriage and having a child and still not having made friends, like as much friends, because obviously motherhood takes over so much of your life and it's so hard to just go out and kind of just make friends. Um, and then being stuck at home with two and it just came very unexpected. The same feelings um, of just feeling down and low mood, um, constantly teary, lots of anxiety. I would feel anxious about going, taking them out. What if uh, one does an explosive poop while the other one's crying? What if this happens and that happens? Just all these scenarios playing in my head and it would just mean that I would spend more time in the house and not kind of push myself to go out and meet people and you know I think that's what was needed and it kind of just I would just cry a lot and just feel really um, nervous about everything on edge about everything and I think that's when I realized that you know somehow sometimes you can push things that have happened in the past away but then certain in certain times when you're most vulnerable so like when you give giving given birth you're the most vulnerable you can be physically mentally emotionally those things can that kind of situation can be a trigger um and you can, all those feelings can come back and the anxiety and the the negativity can all just come back and all of a sudden my mind just kind of went back to just being a teenager again and i didn't know what was happening and i think that's when i kind of took the step okay I'm going to speak to a counselor and she kind of just helped me piece together why this might happen why this is a vulnerable time for me and how I can get that support system so um, obviously it just didn't, didn't disappear overnight it took months of counseling took months of you know lots of support from my husband and my family um, to kind of overcome that and whilst you know whilst overcoming that I made it a priority that you know um, to not let my kids be affected by that so I would try and try and just uh, spend time with them, be present with them. And then when I couldn't, I would ask for help and I would try and ask for help. Um, even if that mean, meant like I was felt like I was inconveniencing other people, it's just so important to ask for the help. People are not, it's going to feel like you're inconveniencing others, but especially if it's family, they will be more than happy, inshallah, to help and step in and to ask friends to come over, let, you know, come over, let's have a play date. Just taking those steps basically towards um, kind of coming out of my shell a bit really helped. But yeah, that, that's something that I feel like um, mothers may not be able, you know, can't control. You know, when you give birth, you think, okay, I'm going to have it all together. I'm going to love this child. I'm going to pour everything into this child. But then all of a sudden you're having all these confusing feelings and you feel conflicted. You love this child, but also you're feeling so stressed out. And these kind of conflicting feelings and confusing feelings kind of overtake you to the point where you just, you just feel like how am I going to keep on moving every day is just survival so I think it's so important to, for mums to realize that postnatal depression is a thing um, 
it can happen after first child, second child, 10th child. It can, for some women, mothers, it doesn't happen, like they don't experience it, but it's important to know the signs. So baby blues is a thing. It's something that happens straight after giving birth, lasts for about two weeks. But postnatal depression is when it lingers on, you know, it's weeks, turns into months, and you're still feeling that kind of low moods and, you know, teary and just not able to kind of uh, live life or be present enough. You're just feeling anxious and on edge. So it's important to know those signs um, and get the help. How um, do you think people should think about taking responsibility for their own healing? And I guess the support system around that person as well, whether it's friends and family, how should they respond when it comes to specifically postnatal depression or, or other um, you know, issues that you want to talk about? Yeah, I think the first thing is to recognize the signs of someone who's struggling. Um, that goes with even like, for example, a child who's going, gone through a traumatic incident or going through something, uh, you know, recognizing what might point to the fact that they're like, that they're going through something. Maybe they're a bit more quiet, they're a bit more um, reserved, they don't make friends, uh, they isolate themselves, um, maybe they're um, constantly feeling uh, emotional about things or they react emotionally about things. Maybe they feel angry, they, they, they have more bouts of anger just recognizing the signs because um, as someone who, you know, who's, who's gone through a, child, a childhood trauma, um, sometimes people will not realize you're going through something or have gone through something. Um, and especially as a child, when you can't speak out, you're afraid to speak out, you don't even know what's happening to speak out. Um, it's so important for parents to know, okay, when is it a sign that my child, uh, you know, is maybe misbehaving? Okay, he's misbehaving, she's misbehaving. Is it just that they're misbehaving or is there something else? Communicate with them, keep the channels open um, and let them kind of speak and let them express their emotions in a safe space. I think kids will have tantrums and they'll feel angry and they'll they'll misbehave, but allowing that safe space and being able to respectfully communicate and tell them, telling them when something is wrong without shaming them is so important because the moment you shame a child or you tell a child, okay, I, that's not, I don't think you're feeling like that or that's silly or whatever, they will close off even more and there might be something important that they need to tell you. So that's the first thing, knowing the signs. And similarly, with someone who's gone through postnatal, or going through postnatal depression, knowing why they may be more teary, um, kind of realizing the signs, maybe they're eating, they, they have lost their appetite. Maybe, she, you know, mother's constantly running around her kids and she's uh, constantly like analyzing everything or over-organizing everything because she's feeling anxious. Um, she wants, every, she needs to have everything in control. She feels that loss of control. Maybe she's not seeing people and, you know, you need to kind of nudge her to to go out or give take the kids and you know you know you go let her go out and I think those little things help significantly that's the first step is knowing the signs and the second step is then um, supporting them um, in whatever way you can um, that's really important because obviously people have their own lives and they're so busy but knowing you know what can you do maybe you can send over a dish maybe you can invite her uh, for a walk let's go for a walk um if you're a spouse of someone who's struggling with postnatal depression uh, you know take the kids and have days or have periods of time where it's just she's able to go out and it's so i think my husband would do that often like you know try and take the kids and you know push me to go out and you know spend time with yourself and then i'd be wondering well, what do i do like i didn't know what to do in that time but it's so important you know like try to always have things that you enjoy a list of things you enjoy, places you like to go, cafes, maybe you like going shopping, that when you get that time, you can just, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I know where exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what I'm going to do because I was very confused for a long time. Like, do I just walk around the streets? Do I, well, what do I do? Like uh, in this time, I'm still worried about them. What if this, she's done this and he's done this. What if they've done, you know, they've done a massive poo, they're having a tantrum, um, but just knowing and just kind of letting go a bit, you know, uh, having someone you can talk to as well, be open to uh, about what you're going through, about the feelings, 
in a, in a safe space. And if needs be, go, you know, going to the doctors, uh, to the GP, because they can also help, they can prescribe things if it's something severe. Um, and yeah, I guess those are the, the few things that you can do. And going back to some, a child who's gone through a traumatic experience, um, you know, kind of, um, it's really hard, I guess, to get a child into therapy when you don't know if there's something wrong or not. So it's so important to keep the, as parents and care or carers, to keep the channels of communication open, to look out for the signs, to, um, you know, do things with that, activities with your children that will kind of increase that kind of trust and that sense of, you know, this is my safe space. And as the older they get, they turn into, you know, teens and adolescents that, you know, you still keep those streams open. If they come and tell you something and it's something that you weren't expecting, you know, um, mom, I've done this, or I've done that, or I feel like this, not being like, why did you do that? It's haram or this keeping, you know, a respectful kind of uh, communication uh, line open and constantly being open to hearing and listening and being there to guide them and help them rather than, you know, uh, constantly being that control figure, like, why did you do this or why did you do that? Um, so it's so important to, yeah, communication is so important. Um, I also know that you are writing another book. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to hear more. Um, how did that start? Um, you know, where does the passion for that come along? And is it on the same lines of mental health and psychology, which, which I know are your, are your loves? Yeah, so at the moment, um, it, it's actually very new. This is a new project. So it's probably been a couple of months that it's been simmering away in my mind. I mean, it's always been there and I've always tried to like uh, join competitions, writing competitions. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write this story that's been in my mind for ages and I'll get like 2,000 words and it's just gone. But then um, recently, I kind of seriously, after like uh, speaking to my counsellor and she was like, you know, she just said to me, she's like, you've been through a lot. Maybe you should write down like as a story, even if it's just for yourself, everything that you've gone through, like a memoir and I thought okay I could do that I really like writing I don't have the pressure of having to publish it or share it it's just something for myself and then um, as I started writing more I realized that actually maybe I can turn this into a book where it not only is just uh, my personal story or how I overcame uh, you know a childhood trauma but more so something that can help other people that are in similar situation and from an Islamic perspective as well as a Muslimah because you don't really see stories like from Muslimahs on like uh i don't know trauma or something they've been through and i've actually i've, I've seen like uh, one of my inspirations was uh, i don't know sister you don't know if you know sister asma hussein she wrote the temporary gift when her husband passed away and it was just a very beautiful kind of journal like book where she goes through you know every day or every week and how she kind of managed those uh those those new feelings of being a widow her journey as a widow and it was so beautiful because a lot of her her hope and her healing came from the quran and reflections from the seerah and uh, from the past and it, it's so beautiful how it's all connected and it gave her hope so i think similarly for me those the same things the same themes that run through my journey was finding that hope in the quran finding you know the stories of the prophets you know giving me hope and the du'as you know that they that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know has taught us through their stories you know them you know giving me relief and giving me hope and so I think that's what I kind of want the book to be that's the vision of the book to be my journey but um, with a focus on how uh, you know how you can you can overcome your trauma and how some of the ways that spirituality uh, can be a form of healing for you and there's so much in our religion as well you know people very rarely bring to light things that happened in the seerah for example that were traumatic like Aisha radiallahu has slander 
that was a traumatic incident for her. You know, she she said in the hadith that I cried so much that I thought my liver was going to burst, was going to burst. Uh, Prophet Muhammad you know, told her to go to her parents' house and she didn't see him, like she wasn't with him for a month. So, you know, all these things must have been very traumatic for Aisha. Similarly, like the battles that Prophet, the people, the Sahaba particip participated in at that time, very traumatic, losing people, losing loved ones, um, you know, having to be on survival mode. But no one talks about how they dealt with it. You know, uh, you know, what, what, how did they find their resilience and their hope? How did they overcome the torture that Bilal or the Allah and who went through in Sumayya? What gave them that strength and that resilience and that hope to overcome? No one, you know, yes, they were the Sahaba, but you know, they, they must have also felt the same feelings of anxiety and, uh, you know, st being stressed and just feeling, um, you know, afraid, fierce, fearful of their lives. But what helped them manage and process those feelings? What helped them give them hope? Um, so I think, yeah, that's what I want to hope, to, what I intend to achieve from the book, inshallah. I know it's going to be a um, something very long term, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Inshallah, so am I. I'm sure the viewers yeah. and listeners are as well. Um, yeah. I want to thank you so, so much for joining. Um, I feel like I rambled on a lot. No, no, <laughs> but so so for the, giving me this opportunity. No, no, amazing to hear just your journey and where you've kind of come from and, and, and the ideas as a child that you thought about um, and just sharing all of those reflections with us to now and then your counseling and all and your journey and, and sharing so much about your motherhood as well. It's, it's yeah. amazing. So I really, really, really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I pray that it, whatever I've said is beneficial in some way to those list, those listening and it gives them uh, some hope and strength that, you know, whatever they've gone through or have gone through that they can get out of it and not only get out of it, but really kind of shine and use the experience um, as a way of, you know, helping themselves becoming better, but also serving the community and helping others ultimately, because um, everything that we go through in life is, has a reason. And so, yeah, that's how I'll end. <laughs> My, uh, Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> have a wonderful day. And you I'm too. See you, soon. you too. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Mindful Muslim podcast. Inshallah, you found this a beneficial conversation and I will see you on the next one.